0: Right! Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation where they have to create change. I think we all want to be seen, heard, and understood, but the people who will get our attention, convince, persuade, or influence us are not just salespeople. I think there's uh, great people in our all throughout the uh, workforce that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can find out what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, I this is someone I'm so excited to have on the podcast. I'm you know just in researching her, you know she uh, just pops off the screen on on uh, YouTube videos and in her Facebook live. Uh, sessions. I met her at one of our company's events, and she was just—I could tell right off the bat she was different. She connected uh, people in our in our group differently, and just you know, people are raving about her afterwards. And so I, I want her to meet uh, all of you. She's one of America's leading wine experts, and she's the author of a, an award-winning book, *The Sipping Point: A Crash Course in Wine*. She's a certified sommelier, national speaker, and TV personality who is not afraid to tell you her first wine came from a box. Uh, her edgy approach to demystifying wine caught the eye of major networks, and she's been a guest uh, on uh, shows like The Dr. Oz Show, Fox Morning News, Mar- Martha Stewart Living, Today, and ABC News at Noon. Lori regularly speaks at conferences and, and um, you know, really uh, at, at businesses to connect uh, at events, and she also has a career as a former uh uh, software salesperson, and also a career in uh, comedy and improv. Please welcome none other than Lori Forrester to the podcast. Welcome, Lori.
1: Thank you. And you got it exactly right, too, because I, I get called Foster, Forrester, so I just say Forrester, and you did it perfectly, so thank you. I appreciate it. Oh,
0: wow. I took, a ch- I took a chance, so, you know, you would have had to correct me. You know, Lori, I... I, I i'm saying i'm so excited this is like a great way to end my day because you know for everyone listening this is our first it's five o'clock somewhere and this is the first um guest who you know she's an expert on wine and she's demystifying it and she likes to say you know on our on our um zoom chat i thought it was funny you know we're not day drinking it's five o'clock we're day tasting wine and i happen to be tasting a um if you know anything about my wife uh, loves to go to napa we fell in love with napa like years ago um, and we got a couple of memberships, and this is one. It's uh, a fa- Satui family we're red. It's from St. Hel- Helena, and uh, right in Napa. And she, we're just like big red wine drinkers, so it's kind of like for a lot of people, it'd be a huge red wine, but this is like a blend for us. Um, so, um, what do you have, Lori? What are you What are you drinking?
1: Um, you know, it's spring, even though it doesn't feel like it outside. It is spring, and so rose time is upon us. So. I brought, and I'm using my awesome um, vin glace, which keeps it chilled while we're sitting here. This is the Stoller Pinot Noir Rosé from Willamette Valley, Oregon. Um, And it is Willamette, not Willamette. It rhymes with the word we can't say on this podcast, but you get the idea. Um, But they're an amazing winery out there in the Willamette all-female winemakers and um Bill Stoller actually made his money in the temporary staffing business still does um because you need to have that huge uh fortune to <laughs> make the small one in the wine business so uh, he's he's a great entrepreneur and really has a wonderful woman behind him so I'd love to support
0: That's awesome. That's one region I've not been to Oregon and, and gone to that uh Willamette Valley. Thank you for helping me pronounce it.
1: Yes, um, you get, must like, go. Amazing
0: things. Yeah. Yes, I
1: took like Ten ladies there last summer, and it was an amazing wine tour. This June, I'm going to Portugal, so I'm excited about that.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, Lori, so the reason why I said you, like, really popped off the screen because, you know, I've been to a lot of events where we have speakers, and there's, like, maybe even a dynamic speaker. And they have great content, but, like, what I, like, noticed from, like, the get-go is your ability to – You know connect with people in a quick amount of time in a large room and not just connecting with like you know um like i don't know just titles or you you weren't just like you know throwing things out there hoping people would would do it you were actually like talking to individual people, you were actually connecting other people with each other. So it wasn't just about you. And um, we'll, we'll talk a lot about that today and like kind of your road um, and some of the tactics that you used. Um, but, you know, Lori, I ask all my guests, like, when you hear the term, and I'll say it to you, you heard this, like, you know, the, 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 the title of the podcast, what it is. When I say the term to you, you know, sell something, but sell it by being human. What does that mean to you and what do you think about when you, when you hear that, that, that term, that phrase?
1: Yeah, I, well, a couple of things. I mean, if, it, if you want to go way back, my mother owned a lighting and furniture store while I was growing up um, and she had that store for 25 years. And so I think I had a lot of great modeling. You know, people would come in, they needed to fix a lamp or find a new lamp or get new furniture for their living room. And it's about solving a problem and making people happy you know, by giving them what they want. So I guess I didn't necessarily see sales as a dirty thing that a lot of people think of it like a used car salesman or something. Uh, so fast forward, you know, I majored in supply chain management um, at Penn State, which um, is really hot right now, right? But that that was my major. And I did that with Kraft Foods for a while. But at some point, I made the switch to selling software for supply chain to Fortune 100 companies and uh i my role in if you probably know from Docebo was as a pre sales person, so I would go in and understand the customer' situation, what were the problems, and then be able to demo to them how we could solve those problems, and what would be you know the value that we could create for them and so that was invaluable. I feel like what I learned there, you know, I, software, you got to be quick on your feet. There's lots of different things going on, and, and you're talking to a C level executive typically, or at least high level executives. So you've got to make something complicated, simple, because they don't have a lot of time. And so I learned so much there about, you know, being a great presenter. But also, really, you know more than it's like, "Oh, I'm a great presenter. It's like I'm presenting to them how I'm gonna solve their problems, and so and what value I can bring and that's kind of how I take on the wine world now that I made that switch in two thousand and one to start my own business to really focus on events for many, many years live, and then I had to do that ugly word pivot in uh in twenty twenty into the zoom tasting world, so i now I'm doing both but I really try to translate that live experience over Zoom. And I feel like you can, you just have to treat it like it's a live tasting. And, you know, when I see the chat comments and Alex said, wow, this red blend is his favorite, but so did Karen, you know, I'm gonna incorporate that into my presentation and and always um, try to connect with people. That's what I do in a live room, but it's w- what I'm trying to do on Zoom. First, I want to connect with you, um, and then I want to be very, very present, which is super important when you're tasting wine because it's a full sensory experience. So you have to be present for that and in the moment when when I'm doing my uh, wine tasting, as we call it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think that's so like key because, you know, you can, you know, yeah, some people don't have that framework and and, and think intentionally like you do cuz you're like, okay, first like I want to connect with you. I find little ways, like maybe it's a joke, maybe it's like uh something self-deprecating, maybe it's just something to relate. You know, we can all be that we you know, we can all, you you put people there. Like, you know, I don't know if about you, but has anybody drank, you know, drank wine out of a solo cup before or like a, a paper cup like and
1: I don't know if you remember, but I did. Uh, I do always try to start with something humorous. And way back when, I, you know, I've always done that. I'm from Jersey. We have to have a sense of humor because everyone's making fun <laughs> of us. Now I live in Maryland. But um, I've taken stand-up comedy training. So humor, I think, goes a long way because wine, you know, just like a lot of other subjects, can be like, ooh, you know, I don't know anything about wine. She's going to call me out, you know. And so humor, and I don't know if you remember, I outed myself, um, and I shared the first wine I ever tried, uh, which what was yours? I don't know if you, um, shared. I don't know
0: if I said, if I shared, I can't even remember Like, who knows? Like I was I, the first wine I ever tried while well, I was like probably 14 or 15 and right? it was probably like out of my parents' liquor cabinet or something like that, you know, like, you know, just a church wine or something like that.
1: Yeah. yeah mine was Boone's farm, strawberry hill. Um, which we all kind of laugh at, because it is something that, you know, a teen uh, might enjoy, because it's, you know, sweet and fruity, and it's not, in my mind, really wine, (laughs) but but that always kind of makes people laugh, because they have, you know, the Thunderbird, or the, you know, there's all these silly ones that people have tried in the beginning, and they're like, okay, she's not gonna, you know, stand up here and just try to prove how much I know, and you don't, like, to me, that's not uh, I'm a coach for a reason. A coach is helping you become better and and right there with you, rather than like la- laying off every detail that you ever heard Let's about this you. line. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, and that's like tough because like I bet there's a lot of like probably like really great. I'm I'm sure you've met them. Like I almost am thinking about. I'm sure you've met like really intelligent sommeliers, and even like they're great people. Like if you get to know them on a personal level, but their presentation style. It, it walk it's a it's a tough line, you know, because once you lose one person or whatever, you, you know, it's easy to, you know, lose a group when you're, you know, maybe leading with facts or you're, you know, like you're you know, just um you're you're teaching first, right? Like right. you you're you're or you're just leading with the wine. Like without like like help us get to know you. Like why do you love it? Like what are what's something Relatable about you, right? So like, and then and then they kind of tune out. Like, I, I don't know if you've seen that happen with you know other sommeliers or presenters. And I don't know. Can you can you point to things that you've seen, you know, people do to maybe because we I, we'll talk through the things that you do um, in, ta- in detail. But what are the things that are are people are doing? Maybe yourself. Maybe you've been on a wine tour with a sommelier or a tour guide and you just felt disconnected. Or maybe like there there was things that they could have done, they just missed opportunities.
1: Um, I, not naming any names, of course, <laughs> I gotta stay in this industry. But um, I would say not leading with the connection, and le- like you said, leading with the facts. And you know, I think it's a Maya Angelou quote that you know people might not ever remember what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. And so, because when I started doing my SOM training. Uh, I was, you know, a career changer. I'm coming out of software, you know, uh, I left a very lucrative job to, on a sabbatical that I never went back from, but to start training in wine. And I never understood, well, like people like gave you a little attitude because you weren't in hospitality because you didn't come from that background. And I'm like, if I can understand constraint-based planning, I know I can figure this thing out this wine thing so i think the way you make people feel has to be like your overriding thing at least it is for me because the minute you know you kind of maybe someone feels put down or you're trying to show that you're better than i i feel like all connection is lost and you're going to you know you're going to kind of lose people going forward so i remember how i felt and i had felt like that in several situations Even before when I was just ordering wine for clients, that's what kind of started my journey just so I didn't look silly or stupid. You know, sometimes you wanted assistance, but it was like pulling teeth, you know, or you said it wrong and they're correcting your pronunciation. Yeah, you know, like there's a nice way to correct somebody's pronunciation, um, but you know, you have to know the right way to do it. You know, if you said, Hey, I had this great Riesling, like, Oh, Riesling. I love it. You know, you don't even have to like, uh, actually. Yeah, you have
0: to correct. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I just never understood that. So I guess, you know, I'm always thinking of the other people and I want them to walk away. And I think the other mistake that a lot of people make is they want to start up here at the like hundredth level of wine knowledge with the pH and the, this and that. And, in an audience like, you know, maybe your virtual tasting or even a a large live tasting I might do, I've got people at all different levels. Unless this is a master class or something along those lines, you kind of got to ground everybody. And I don't know if you remember, but my first thing I started with was how to taste, like how professionals taste and why we swirl and why we slurp and why we're doing this and that. Yeah. So there's some people that probably already know it. Yes. But there's some people that probably didn't. And so everybody feels like they can get on the same page. And then people are gonna ask some more advanced questions. I'm gonna sprinkle in more advanced stuff and it naturally, everybody will get something at the level where they're at.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's important because like, you know, yeah, you're thinking about, um, you know, like, like just something that can like broadly like bring everybody into the conversation, you know, even if they're like, no matter what level they're at, like, you know, here's an insider thing. Like, here's just something like why we do what we do. You know, and 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 this could and 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 this is something that like you know people may already know. Um, you know, but then and then it kind of builds from there. Like, you know, as you start tasting, you know, different things, you start sprinkling in different facts that, but not in a way that like you're leading with that. Like, you know, like you said, the hardest thing first. So, um, I, yeah, that's interesting. You know, so tell me, like, in your career, so how did you get from you know, kind of like what you were doing in software to, to this and what, what, what really, um, you know, made your decision. I always like to, you know, ask entrepreneurs this, like what convinced you to like, like you said, you left something lucrative, like what, what really convinced you to make the jump into doing something like this? And, and why did you feel like your skills could translate from that into, into this?
1: Yeah. Um, I guess in general, I'm pretty, i um, this is gonna sound crazy, but I'm sort of a leap <laughs> before you look kind on of a person. So I'm not afraid to take a risk or try something new. And of course, you know, at that time, I was getting married, but I didn't have children. You know, I had a, a nice um, situation that I could take a leave of absence from my job and kind of taste test the situation. But I actually worked with a life coach for probably at least a year and just kind of like feeling like there was something else for me. And even though I was good at and, and was doing well at what I was doing, I felt like there was something more. And we kind of looked at things like, what are your values and, you know, what's important to you and what are your interests? And that sort of created what I was going to taste test during my sabbatical, which was wine. But I also did some life coach uh, training because I was, I love that whole idea of being able to help someone, um, you know, get to where they want to do, go and do. And I, I feel like that was great. And that's why later when I was coming up with the name of my business, I'm like the wine coach. Yes. Because, you know, it just seems inviting sommelier that can be scary, can be hard to say, could be off-putting. So, um, I worked with a coach. I decided to taste this sabbatical and then, um, During the time of my sabbatical was actually during the tech crash of 2001. And so my exact position was done away with. I was offered something else or a package. (laughs) So I took the package. And so I was able to, you know, have those living expenses and start um, in addition to training. I worked at a wine store, um, which was a, a great experience, but didn't feel like the right fit for me. But I learned a lot, it's a store in New York City called Astor Wines, I looked at, learned a ton there. Um, and one of the things I was asked to do was lead a wine tasting for an alumni group. And that tasting is where I was like, oh, okay, this is where I can really use the skills that I used, uh, you know, in my software position and relate it to wine. And I'd love to see everyone connecting and so that made me, you know, so happy. So that's when later, when I started my business, I said, "This is the piece that I'm going to solely focus on is the event piece." Yeah,
0: yeah that's awesome. Well, you know, talk a, like walk us through like what people would see. Like I know what I saw, but like you, you know, I I have to imagine like I'm looking at it and like it feels so natural for her. It feels so effortless. Like I've been on two of them with us, and like I said, they're they're like. I, I don't know. Engaging is not even enough. Like it's like people are are like, oh my god! I, I was on with one of my clients for like almost like thirty minutes and after, like an after party and we were drinking yeah. and she and we were like, can you can you like you know like get over how good that was? And they're like, she's like, yeah. I'm like, I, yeah. It's just I felt like people were it was and they weren't getting wasted. You know, they're they're just like drinking, sipping, tasting, learning. You know, even learning about our software. But like it was in the context of like you know, you, you know, the, the, the time just flew by like the three I think it was like three hours, the time flew by. And, um, you know, I just felt like I saw a lot of fun being had and you were able to get people out of their shell. I actually witnessed people that weren't talking and like, were kind of like reserved. And then they would be like, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. Like, what is this? Or they're asking questions in the chat. And like, I saw it like within a, like 30 minutes. So I was like, okay, there's something here. I need to talk to Lori. I don't know if she's like, you know, like I'm sure you're, you're. there's a lot of planning that goes into like, you know, something like this. So, you know, walk us through what people might see and like, what do you think about like when you're like planning these things? And this could be like a virtual event. I'm sure they're slightly different, obviously in person, but what are you, things are you thinking about to get people to come out of their shells, open up and really, um, you know, kind of engage in what you're doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, first off, what I think about is my client who hired me and what are their objectives for the event? Because, you know, I'll do some where there's, you know, there's a sales slant, there's some where it's team building focused um, or client appreciation. You know, those are all three different kinds of objectives, I guess, if you will. And so that is top of mind for me. But I always, like I said, start with a little humor, make people feel comfortable And then, um, you know, I need to be having as much fun as I want you guys to be having. So, you know, I'm picking out lines that I love. I'm, you know, all along the way I'm engaging questions, reading the chat, you know, it would be similar in person, but, you know, asking people for their feedback. And one of the things I love, and I think is uh, important, and I was thinking about how what I do might relate to sales is this whole idea of experiential learning. And so I don't know if you remember the jelly bean exercise that we did about why smelling your wine is 80% and so important, but giving people things they can do rather than just sitting there and listening to me, Um, you know, smelling, asking people for their feedbacks in the beginning, everybody's quiet, but then, you know, they've got to maybe, you know, I'll share or share something from the chat and then people will get a little braver, if you will, or a little more willing to come out. Um, I think, you know, having people from the client side who, you know, know that we want this interaction and we'll jump in and interact, you know, when just to model that for everyone else. So I think those things are really important and just giving lots of opportunities for people to engage and rewarding that, you know, and, and, and making everybody feel great when they do. So, I mean, the wine helps too, let's face it, but. <laughs> let's yeah. face it.
0: Yeah. You know, I just noticed that ability like that you – like, could make people feel comfortable without, like, embarrassing them. Like, you know, it'd be one thing if you said, like, well, like, I'm gonna call on someone like Donna, like, tell us about your first experience. And, like, Donna doesn't know you. Like, it's, like, it's kind of weird. There's no context. It's, like, what's your favorite wine? And then she's, like, oh, like, Cabernet. Okay. But, you know, it's different to get her to tell a story, like, you know, where you can, like, hey, like, say, hey, like, my first, you know, I remember, you know, like, you know, with this wine going on a trip. And like this person said it tasted like, you know, like golf balls or like a, or a tennis ball. And this person, you know, said, said it, it, it tasted like, you know, tobacco. And, you know, so you're just throwing out fun stuff that sounds totally ridiculous. And, you know, someone out there is going to like latch onto it. Like, yeah, that's funny. I got a hand of golf, uh, of tennis ball, too, or something like that. You know, like, I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. But it's like, you're just... um. Yeah, you're poking fun at the stuffiness, too, of wine, you know, because it, exactly. it can be super, you know, intimidating, stuffy, you know, and um, like you said, maybe that Jersey girl in you is uh, <laughs> just trying to, you know, make it seem a little bit more relatable. Like, do you Absolutely. think that that's part of it? Yeah.
1: I do. And I think because I came from that outsider perspective, I was able to see more of the humor in it than maybe somebody who started out, you know, as a server and then goes into the som thing and it's never really kind of been on the other side of it i mean we've all been on the other side of it for the most part most of us did not grow up drinking fine wines of burgundy or bordeaux i don't know about you but um you know everybody has to start somewhere and you know you can't look down at someone because wine is preference wine is personal taste too but i think once you really um enable people with some skills like the wine sandwich if you remember and how do you try your wine and food together um, you know, that even is, it's just a concept that we all know. You try the wine, you try the food, you try the wine, but what, what is less scary than a sandwich? I mean, you know, it just kind of occurred to me, oh, it's like a sandwich. So yeah, I guess I'm always, you know, trying for people to feel more comfortable and, and connected to wine, to the tasting and what we're doing. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: I like that question. You actually made me think of, like, something that I could use. Like, you know, bring in something that's, like, what is less scary than insert something, you know? <laughs>
1: right. Like,
0: <laughs> you know, like, what you're you're selling, like, not like, you know, being on the other side of someone that has more information to you about a topic is just in and of itself scary, you know? Right. Um, because you're, like, you don't feel, like, in control. You feel a little bit like you might, you know.
1: Embarrass know, yourself. Like say the,
0: embarrass yourself yeah. or say the wrong thing or, like, come across as, like, you know, silly or stupid or something like that. And so, but like, if the other person is just like making fun of the whole thing, you know, or like if they're just like offering something like, you know, like less scary, you know, like, you know, try, trying to bring it down to a level of, you know, just kind of like, w- w- what is like the the least scary thing that I can talk about right now, then it's like, okay, this person's re- like, this person I'm willing to like share more or like maybe I'm willing to like admit that I don't know something to this person because they're clearly okay with it. Like if I don't, you know, um, sort of thing.
1: I certainly poke fun where, you know, where it's obvious for our industry. But the other thing I think is just, um, you know, creating these analogies, creating these fun terms that bring it to a level that everybody can embrace, but without dumbing it down, yeah i'd get people saying like oh my gosh i you know went to napa for a week and i learned more in the hour with you than i did at all the wineries i went to and you didn't dumb it down and i didn't feel like it was like remedial <laughs> so
0: yeah i mean that must be a huge compliment because you know people could spend thousands of dollars on you know guided tours in napa and, and obviously like napa in and of itself just the landscape is amazing and the wineries are amazing and the wine but like you know saying that they learned more through you that's like you know that's just saying okay well like she made it it's almost like they they were they were receptive more maybe like they were you were you were both teaching them things but one was in a way that was you know more fact-based or there was more like you know kind of um you know, like really in-depth learning as opposed to like fun, like you you call it edutainment. Right. Uh, (laughs) I I love that term. Yeah. Um, So... Yeah, I once heard you, like, on a comedy thing, you were saying, this is the, the bitch slap of wines. <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> yes. something
1: with high acid, I, I think, a Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> yes, it just
0: hits you in the face, right. you know, or something like, you know. Yep,
1: it's a term uh, for a Sauvignon and, Blanc.
0: <laughs> and we can we can picture that. We can picture a wine that would, like, go, whoa, like, you know, really, yeah. <laughs> um, well, um, you know, so... Lori, like before you kind of got i don't even know like if you can point to people in your life like you you pointed to your mother i think starting out um and she was like solving people's problems like i think the key was like you said making them happy or you know like something like that so who in your career like can you point to where you know like you were you would look at them and be like you know what they like had it they were like people that really got people like to lean in that were drawn to them and if i could really think about it you know what like i probably picked up stuff without even you know realizing it like can you think of maybe it's like things your mom your parents did or maybe it, it's like a previous manager or a coworker. but can you think of people in your career that were really excellent um at at, at like you know connecting with people or bringing them together and, and why do you think that they were
1: yeah. A um, couple of things. I mean, I think in uh, back in the, I, you know, I I explained about my mom for sure. So, see, that was a great role model. Um, and certainly, you know, a, I think for the entrepreneurial side of what I do and the fact that, you know, it takes a lot of guts to start your own business and to be a, a, a solopreneur business, you know, no um safety net there or all those kinds of things you know you're all you're on your own and it's a huge um, it's a huge exercise in business but also in personal development because there's just so many facets to that um i would say um in software uh our founder of the i worked for a company called i2 technologies and uh sanjeev sadhu was our founder and he was a very inspirational a uh, person that took, you know, built this business from nothing to, you know, crazy big time on the NASDAQ, it, you know, later sold it to, I think eventually JDA or SAP or something like that. So, you know, what we were, you know, I started, we had 300 people and then, you know, next thing you know, we got 3000. So I was able to see that, you know, when you have this amazing, um, product and you're able to motivate people and inspire them to, you know, basically buy into it. Because at that time, everything was just being developed. I mean, right? You know, the the people that were buying the product are also part of developing the product. And so I think that was just to see the late 90s and see what happened back there. I wish I would have taken better notes because there's a book there for sure but uh, maybe it's better left in the past anyway, but um, that was great, and then I think um, in the wine business, I've had a lot of, like, very cool people who have, you know, stepped up to, you know, as I was getting started, include me, work with me. Um, I'm a chef uh, out of Baltimore um, who had a wine-themed restaurant, and I would do, you know, monthly women's, uh, events, live events, where it'd be, a, you know, a wine dinner each month. And he's a very no-nonsense, humorous, fun guy. And so um, it was really nice to be supported in that way. And and I learned so much from him and um, his son, who now works in D.C. But so I had just cool people like that that are willing to take you in under their wing, I guess, if that's it. And so, you know, I try to pay that forward, as well. And so, you know, as you see people that are trying to break in and figure out, you know, it's a maze. Like where do you go and what aspect of this business are you gonna focus on? Um, because you can you can sell wine, you can restaurant, you can do what I'm doing. There's you know, there's so many options. So
0: Yeah. You, um, you know, I said, like, so you took stand-up training, and I don't know how much, you know, you've you ever, ever done, like, stand-up or comedy, but, like, I saw, like, you did, like, you combined, like, comedy and wine, you know, early on when you were kind of starting out, so, you know, tell me what lessons you've learned through that stand-up training um, that you, you bring in today, um, like, what, like, like what do you learn um, in stand-up comedy that you think is, like, you know, applicable to, to, to selling?
1: Absolutely. There's one fly in this house and he always wants to be in my room here when I'm doing a zoom. Oh, no. Um, it, it must be the wine. <laughs> Get out, yeah. yeah, it could be. Um, it. I actually started my business and doing live tastings for quite a while. And then the stand-up was just the side, a side thing that I thought would make me a better presenter. You know, I, I've always wanted to do it, but never had the guts to do it. So probably about 12 years ago, I took a class at the DC improv, which is called Five Minutes to Funny, and basically you had four classes. You use your life as your source of comedy because it's always the best. And then your graduation is getting up on the DC Improv stage and doing five minutes of material with a live audience. Um, it's quite scary. <laughs> I don't really remember uh, the five minutes, but um, you know, I had comedy that I still use today about being in the wine business and what my daughters teachers think I do for a living um you know being married to a chef I'm married to a chef so that has some fun things with it my husband actually helped me with some of the material which was fun and uh the you know what does it teach you I mean certainly to laugh at yourself because there's so much to you know if you and for me it's just always been a thing that I do I'd rather like you know something bad might happen um obviously not traumatic, but I'm going to try to find something funny in a way to laugh about it rather than going down a serious rabbit hole or something. So um, I felt that it helps you be better on your feet. It really helps you just, you know, kind of incorporate what's funny and that helps people feel at ease. And, and when I make fun of myself, like you said, then people are like, okay, she doesn't take yourself too seriously. I can tell her that, you know, mad dog is the first wine I ever tried, even though that's not really wine, but who cares, you know? So um, I did that training just thinking it was gonna be fun and that was the end of it. And then I uh, really started thinking about what if I would combine some of my stand up with the wine tasting and some games. And I worked with uh, a comedy writer and I created a one hour show that I actually still do to this day uh, called Something to Wine About. And I just did it Saturday at a winery um, in Maryland here. And it's just really fun. It's like you got the placemat like you do at your wineries when you go. You got your glasses. I get up. I do a little set. We start tasting. We have, you know, jelly bean thing that you've, you know, experienced. We have, we taste through the wines. There's food pairings. Um, A couple games I created. And then even a song I wrote called the Wine Drinker's Anthem that we all sing together. (laughs) so yeah i mean it's i do it sometimes for corporate groups or for consumer groups it just depends on what people are looking for uh but it's a little edgier than than maybe our tasting um that you experienced
0: okay now i'm intrigued now i want to like to get that experience you know talk to our marketing
1: yeah maybe for your her inspire something alive it would be a great yeah
0: yeah oh my gosh um Well, you know, as we kind of close out, like what, what things like would you tell to the person who's maybe, you know, their, their, their full time gig is in sales, you know, they're maybe a fellow sommelier, or they're in the hospitality industry. And they're like, you know, I'm not in sales, I'm I'm in the wine business, you know, I'm in the hospitality business, you know, Um, I don't have to sell you on wine, I don't have to convince you to like wine, it's like either, you know, like you like it or not. So, what what advice would you give them, um, you know, to um, you know maybe find some of these skills within themselves and and to you know view it as less like you said in the very beginning less um, you know icky or you know grimy or maybe you know um, like a, something that's uh, like not a worthy profession.
1: Gotcha, yeah. I mean, I think you know our job. I mean, if you're if you're thinking about maybe a psalm or even a A very wine savvy waiter like you might get in new york city where they're you know they know the wine list better than you know a lot of people is it's about surprising and delighting the guest it's about them walking away with this wow experience and that's what i want to provide for my clients and so it's about you know just asking questions. You know, what do you usually enjoy drinking? You know, what's your favorite wine region? What are you into? What are you thinking of ordering food-wise? And just engaging again—that's the connection thing. And maybe they always drink Pinot Noir, and you're not going to change that tonight. But I find, and even myself, I love to leverage people like that and just say, you know, I don't feel like picking anything. You know, I'm. This is what I'm getting. I love this kind of wine, but I'm open to anything. It's giving that you know you're you're giving them an experience of something new they might never have tried before, uh, and so I think we had a Fiano as the white that we tried in the last one, um, and I'm I bet most people had never tried a Fiano Italian white before, but if I know you already like Pinot Grigio or a Sauvignon Blanc, I feel like this style of wine will work, and it's isn't it super cool to walk away with a new favorite wine that you can share with your friends or whomever and just feel like you know you've got something um to a better place than when you started so i think it's it is all about that connection about how you make them feel and that's what's going to make somebody come back and ask for you if you're the server or ask ask for you as the psalm um word travels and to me that would be you know a differentiator for any restaurant or, or other place. And it kind of all goes back to, and I know we've heard this saying like, Oh God, no, like, and trust, but what you're doing is getting to know them, letting them get to know you. And, and the next time they're going to trust you with that pick because you listened to them, right. In the, and you got them what they wanted, not the wine you thought they should be drinking. That's the perfect pairing with that dish, but what the guests would really want.
0: Yeah. You know, I think it's key, like, cause yeah, um, you know, the key part, like some people think, okay, um, getting people to like me, it's almost like a little selfish or it's like, you know, I'm like desperate or needy, but getting people to like you is, is getting, is, is getting people to know you like, and, 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 and people can't ever connect with you or like you if they don't know, like, Hey, like something funny, like Lori's first, um, line was out of a box. Or that like you, you know, have, um, you know, done some of the just like as even though you're a psalm, you still like, uh, you know, a screw top wine every now and then or something like that. Or like (laughs) like what what she's drinking right now. Screw
1: caps are (laughs) not social suicide, Alex. They're fine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's like it's 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 a common thing that we think. So, you know, all of the it's like you're gathering. You've gathered all of the like you're thinking about the problem you know all the time like what are the problems people are thinking well i just i just i there's too many selections out there and i just want what i want right okay well i can still ask you a few questions about what you normally drink and what you normally what are you eating tonight and where what regions or like have you ever you know gone to a wine like all these different things and go you know what if you you go ahead like if, if that's what you want absolutely um you know if if that's what you like you may like this like that you may never have heard of something like this or i don't know if you've ever tried this but if you like this you may like that or if you like this style you may go in this direction and and like when you have something that you're like like my friends like they don't know anything about frangia corta you know um sharp like a, it's a you know sparkling wine or it's a it's a you know it's a different type of um champagne you know similar to champagne I'm going to get that and, and be like, you know, I, I remember Lori was the person who, um, you know, taught me about that. They'll, you're remembered. You know, it's a mm-hmm. difference of that event being fun and you specifically being remembered because I, I have to imagine you get a lot of maybe repeat business for like, I just want you like, I don't care about like the event. Lori, like what can we just have you do something and we'll figure it out later. Like, yeah. Do you find that? You know, oh happens.
1: absolutely. Yeah. And and again, it's like, you know, it's an experience. I think, you know, you wrote that in your LinkedIn recap of our our tasting is that it's not just, you know, you me giving you a hundred facts about these three wines because what I'm there to is to create experience. And yes, you're getting great wine knowledge, you're getting some great facts about all the wines, but the key is that you're walking away interacting with the other people who are on there and that you got to interact if you wanted to with me and with the other uh, people and that you're like wow that was really fun <laughs> that wasn't like watching paint dry <laughs> um, so yeah just being focused on that experience and the connection is to me that's everything
0: awesome well said well Lori, I always close out every podcast getting to know a little bit more about you, the real person. Um, so this is the the uh, fun question that you may have not asked before and it may stump you. So like like I'll just prep you with that. But like if I asked your husband, the people that are closest to you, you know, what is just something that is so totally Lori? That would be only something that Lori would do, maybe uh, something that happened to her that only would only happen to Lori. You know what? What would they tell me that is just, you know, um, something that would only could only happen to you, and that's just so totally you.
1: Um, uh, well, this was a funny story, and it wasn't just me in this story, but it does kind of maybe <laughs> it's funny, and it's something that um, that happens. So my husband and I went to Italy on our honeymoon. And our first stop was Lake Como. I don't know if you've ever been, but beautiful place. I want
0: to. I want to so bad, yeah.
1: And they lost my luggage on the way to Italy, so I'm already a little irritated from that. That's never fun. And then there was a strike going on, so they said it would definitely be several days before I got the um, (laughs) said luggage. That's always fun. But my (laughs) husband and I um, ended up going out to this uh, bistro that night, And we were sitting down and, you know, you're just you're ready for the whole Italian experience. They bring bread out. There's olive oil on the table and um, there's a bowl. And of course, we've all done this right. Whatever Italian restaurants, macaroni grill, wherever you go, you pour the olive oil and you dip your bread in there and you just start tasting and enjoying. Right. Maybe a little salt, the whole experience. And, um, and so all of a sudden, like everyone in the restaurant is laughing their butts off, including the waiters and everyone and looking at us and we're like, Hmm, what did we do? Like, we're not sure, like we must have made some sort of faux pas. Um, but we thought we were doing all the right things, right? We weren't wearing white sneakers. We were wearing dark jeans, <laughs> all the things you're warned about. And, and the waiter came over and I said, um, you need to tell me what's so funny. And he said, well, that bowl is an ashtray.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> now, a clean
1: ashtray. A clean ashtray. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah it's, it's and fine, then, you yeah. know what? We could have been, like, really upset or sort of mad. But we laughed our butts off. Because how? you know, it's just so funny when you're in a foreign country, just the silly things that you just don't translate. Um, and one other quick thing, our rental car on the way there, we were hearing all this, like, noise from the undercarriage and there was a plastic it was a and we had gotten a mercedes because we were splurging you know honeymoon there's a you know plastic undercarriage that protects everything underneath the car but it a screw had come out so my and i was like just keep going i just need to get to the hotel and sleep so we just like go go for it it's like kind of hitting the ground every now and then so we found like an italian hardware store Cause my husband's like, I just need some duct tape and I can fix this and we'll return it, you know, later. Um, in Italy, I don't know if you know, duct tape is called American tape. It literally says that on the package, American tape, which I thought was classic. So
0: <laughs> I don't know, silly thing defines just, the whole trip, just you know, silly, silly Americans uh, right. taking I mean, bread out of an ashtray. You, you know, can't
1: take yourself you take- too seriously. <laughs> we yeah. all, we all do these embarrassing things. Just most of yeah. us. You know, are afraid to talk about them, just talk about them. It's so, you know, relatable because everyone has something.
0: I think you need to, you know, bring an ashtray to your next uh, tasting (laughs) and maybe a little olive oil and bread and just go to town before making a wine sandwich out of that. Well, um, Laurie, it's just always a pleasure to see you and and speak to you. where can people find out more about you and maybe, you know, hire you for one of their events if they are, um, you know, willing, like if they want to like really connect and get, and really, you know, wow their clients, what, where can they find you?
1: Yeah. Just head over to the Thewinecoach.com. the winecoachcom That's my site. All the socials are pretty much at the wine coach. And um, there's a contact form there. You can um, shoot me an email and we can see what you're lo- looking to create and, Create that wow experience for whatever uh, objectives you're looking to do, and have fun. Have fun. That's you know that's it, right? Because everybody remembers an experience they had with others that was really fun, and that's that's what I hope to create for my clients.
0: And I I can attest to that. You you absolutely do well, Lori Forrester. Thank you so so much for coming on the podcast. You've been an awesome person enjoy to talk to thank you
1: awesome thank you alex cheers
0: cheers
1: (laughs) gotta give one Mm -hmm. last toast cheers
0: all right over over um what do you say tell everyone the the oh yes Um, over
1: over a bottle of wine many a friend is made so hopefully those listening um reach out love to love to connect and be friends and alex of course this is our second no third time tasting together now so awesome thank you
0: thank you very much lori Hey gang, all right, wow, you made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right, see you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.